You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. So welcome everybody. My name is Kim Kilpatrick. Welcome to the CCB GTT presentation call. Today is Wednesday, February the 23rd, 2022. Uh, we are going to have a lively discussion about iOS versus Android today. And so in our community, this is always a, a hot topic. And we have a great presenter to talk to us about this. We have Caroline Taves. Caroline does a lot of teaching and she has used extensively both systems. And that can't be said of a lot of a lot of people, I think, people seem to either have gone one side or the other from the beginning. So it's great to get the pros and cons from someone who has used both. Uh, and so welcome to Caroline, and we'll we'll have the presentation and then afterwards a Q and A because uh, the. So welcome, Caroline. Thank you very much for joining us and doing this presentation. I'm very excited about that. Well, thanks, Kim. Um, and I see a lot of familiar names here, about 19 people, so it's exciting. Um, as Kim said, I, I do a lot of, of teaching, a lot of remote work. Um, in fact, I'm working with a gentleman in India tomorrow, so that'll be exciting. Um, and I started using iOS uh, back in 2011. I had the opportunity to get somebody's used iPod. And then I switched to the phone and I used that for several years. And then when I moved from the States to Canada, um, I was not able to get my iPhone to work for a while. So I ended up getting an Android and that was my very first experience with Android. And that would have been in 2017 when um, I got a, I can't even pronounce the name of the phone. It was Huawei or whatever that, that, that brand is. Um, not a bad experience, but, you know, I, I Bruce, had, Bruce, my husband, who was also here, had suggested to me, oh, just try the iPhone again. So I did, and I went back to iOS for quite a while. Um, and then a couple of years ago, when iOS or when Android 11 was coming out, they mentioned, you know, they were sort of talking about multi-finger gestures. And I was interested in that. So when I got a phone upgrade, I switched back to Android with a Samsung and had an amazing experience with it. So I've been sticking with it and I still try to keep up with iOS um, because in my position, you know, I never know what I might get asked to do for training. So I'm excited to be able to do this. And my goal is not to convince you that one or the other is better, but to just do some overall comparisons, um, some things that do work better on Android and some that do work better on iOS. And if you're one of those people who is currently on the fence or trying to think about getting a new phone, you know, maybe this will help you to be able to make an informed decision because <clears throat> right now everybody's, you know, most people think that iOS is the best because Android has gotten a bad rap and um, we'll kind of go into that. So VoiceOver was first released in 2009 for the iPhone and came out in 2010 for the iPad. And right from the beginning, it was, it was pretty good. I mean, I, I didn't, like I said, I got it in 2011, but it was 
um, usable. People could do things with it. Um, Android, not so much. It actually, TalkBack was also came out in 2009. Um, it was very basic. You could use D-pads or trackballs to navigate. Um, you could do uh, to all focusable items, activate buttons, check boxes, and other objects. And you could enter text with a hardware keyboard. Um, but if you wanted to review text, you actually had to move focus away from the edit box and then move focus back. And you had to listen to the entire block of text. So if you had a lot of text, it was clunky. Um, and then basically count presses of the arrow keys or, or, you know, the delete key if you're trying to delete. So not a very friendly experience. Later on, the virtual keyboards did become available, but they, um, the D-pads and joysticks were still preferred. TalkBack has greatly improved over the years. And now, you know, I would, I would say that it is comparable in most cases with anything you're going to get on iOS. Um, so which phone do you want? If you want an, a phone that is going to work right out of the box and be, you know, you can go to anybody's phone, pick it up, turn on accessibility and use it. That's going to be the iPhone. Um, you can pick up any phone. It just, it just works. You turn on voiceover, the settings, everything's all going to be in the same place. Um, slightly different, um, you know, button location, maybe for different models, but you know, the, the underlying operating system is going to be the same. Androids, because you have um, different brands of phones, um, a lot of companies will kind of put their own overlay into their, their own OS. Um, for instance, I have Samsung. Samsung likes to add their own little, little touch. Google, for, for pure stock Android, your best bet is going to be the Google phones. Um, some phones I'm finding are not as good for touch. I had, um, I still have, and it's got Bruce's SIM card in it right now, the Samsung Galaxy S10e. And it's a beautiful phone. It's nice and small, which for me, I prefer the smaller phones. Um, very nice touch, very good um, phone. It upgraded to Android 12 a couple weeks ago, which is the latest. My current phone is a Samsung um, Galaxy A32. The A series is not as um, expensive and I'm finding the touch screen is not quite as responsive. I have not gotten um, Android 12, even though it is supposed to be newer phone than the S10e. So, um, and I'll get more into upgrades later as I go along here. Um, another thing with the Androids is that you know, we've still got the fingerprint sensors. I know that those are currently no longer in existence if you buy a new iPhone. Um, on both my Samsungs, the fingerprint sensor is built into the power button, which is really nice. Um, so when you get your new phone right out of the box, both iOS and Android can be set up independently right from the beginning. Um, triple tap home for iOS. And then there's actually two ways to enable the talk back. 
in in uh, Android, and that's either most phones now nowadays you can press and hold the power or the volume up and down buttons, and it will turn that on. If that doesn't work, a lot of times you can power on the phone, um, press and hold the power button, and then hold two fingers on the screen for several seconds, and Talkback will come up and talk to you. Um, then the setup process is fairly similar for both uh, systems. You get things like your language settings, um, sign into account, Apple or Google. You can set up as new or restore from a backup. So that's pretty much similar. And Samsung is kind of cool because with that one, you can actually import settings from a, a different another Samsung into your new Samsung. There's a tool for that, which is very similar to the way that setup can be done on iOS. Um, and it saves a lot of time because it will, you know, import your apps and it will import your settings and so on and so forth. So it makes it a lot quicker and easier to set up a phone. Um, if you're switching from iOS to Android, and I did not do this when I switched, but um, there's actually like an app that I don't know if it's for all Android phones or just for Samsung that will literally go through and suggest, you know, set up the apps that it can, because some of them, of course, are going to work on both systems, or suggest some similar apps that will hopefully do the same thing that um, is happening, you know, that you get it on, on iOS on the Android. <clears throat> Gestures. Um, if you're coming from iOS, this this one to me was a, was a bit of an interesting thing because it was a little bit different switching going to Android. Um, the similarities are, you know, of course, you've got your your tap, double tap, swipe. Um, iOS has the rotor for cycling between elements, and people seem to either love it or hate it. Um, I actually got quite used to it. Um, it also allows for the split tap for activating letters and buttons and things. And that's one thing I miss on Android. I got to say, the split tap for me is something that um, I still try to use after even you know more than a year of being on Android. Android offers, um, so, you know, of course, now some of the phones allow for the multiple finger gestures. I think there are some brands where that still does not work, but it does work on the Google Pixels and the Samsung phones for sure. It also uses angle gestures, which have really improved over the years. When I first, my first sort of Android experience was with the Kindle Fire tablet. Um, in 2016, and I really struggled with these angle gestures. So when I got my Samsung, my current my uh, S10e, before Android 11 came out, it used Samsung's voice assistant, which is no longer in existence, but it was another screen reader. And I loved that because it was a great um, mixture kind of of the you know, of Samsung's things, but it also was quite similar to, to voiceover. Um, when they got rid of, of uh, voice assistant, I ended up, you know, having to use TalkBack, of course. And I, 
Um, now I'm, I'm finding it's not as unforgiving. You know, you might not need to be as precise as you did before. So that's a good improvement. Um, <clears throat> for changing what they call granularity um, is kind of similar to what they do with the rotor, only you're doing swipe up and down gestures and uh, to switch uh, granularity levels from like character to word to line, sentence, paragraph, so on and so forth. So same, same idea, but just different approach to that. Typing. Um, both allow both devices allow you to choose a default keyboard. Um, on my Samsungs, I like the Google keyboard. They offer multiple typing modes. On um, one of them, of course, just to locate a letter and then double tap on that spot to enter the letter. Locating the letter and lift your finger, which is my personal favorite. And then on iOS, you also have the direct touch typing, which I have not really played with. Um, one thing about the keyboards that I really like about Android is that the number row is typically part of the keyboard. Um, as far as I know from the last time I really, you know, was using my iPhone, I still have it on iPhone 8, you still had to switch to a number pad, the number, you know, mode to, to enter the numbers. And I have a lot of passwords where I'm going back and forth between letters and numbers. And so it's a lot quicker to have the number row right there on the keyboard. Plus I can hit shift and get a lot of those symbols that you would get on a regular keyboard without having to switch modes. Um, so a bit of an advantage in typing there. Okay, apps. Um, setting default apps. Now, this is something that I did a, quite a bit of research on it because I knew that and that iOS had um, just started allowing you to choose your default apps as of iOS 14, and that was right before I made the switch. Um, so I was kind of curious. I was playing with it, and turns out that apparently. You can only choose default apps on iOS for mail and web browser. Um, if that has changed, you know, please feel free to correct me, but that's the last that I was able to find out. On Android, you can choose your default app for pretty much anything. So um, like I have my, my messages, my text messages set up to use Google messaging. Um, because I can then set my, my uh, and I did this for Bruce too, are, we're able to do text messaging from the web on our computers because of using Google messaging. Um, the web browser, of course, you can, you know, it comes with, with whatever, um, but you can choose a different web browser. Your email, I actually am using the Samsung Mail app. I don't use that very often because I don't like it. Um, your phone app. I even have, well, I mean, actually I've been right now I'm using the Google phone app, but the Samsung has its own app. There's a couple, a lot of different phone apps and you can pick anything you want that's in the play store. So you're not limited to the stock stuff that comes on the phone. Um, even, even photography, your gallery, things like that. Um, 
Android has in the settings, it actually has a specific area that's, you know, kind of like in Windows, it's called, you know, default apps where you can choose all your defaults and change those and whatever. I found that it wasn't as straightforward doing it with iOS. Um, I installed Outlook and when I went into settings, it did ask me if I wanted to change it to the default, but I, I was having a hard time really determining whether it was default. Um, it was, it was, it just didn't seem as straightforward to me personally. Um, for installation of apps, you can install apps from the App Store on iOS and the Google Play Store. But in addition to installing apps to the Google Play Store, you can also install, they, they call it sideloading and apps and the app extension is APK. So if you hear the term APK um, and you want to install those, you can. There's a lot of places actually where you can get these APKs. Um, but you of course wanna be careful that they are from a trusted source so you don't get any that can cause problems. Um, so in that respect, I think Apple has probably have a, has a bit of a tighter rein on what can be installed. Um, so as far as functionality goes, a lot of companies will develop apps for both of the um, OS, the OSs. Um, just as an example, I'm a, I'm a huge Dice World fan. Um, I prefer Dice World on iOS. They've done a phenomenal job with accessibility. And although it works on Android, I find that the iOS integration is much, much better. So I always use my, my iPhone for Dice World. Um, the Freestyle Libre app, I am a type two diabetic and I actually have the uh, Freestyle Libre two sensors. I started using that on the iPhone and it was, a, it was a good experience, but I found after switching to Android that I get more information from the app, more important information that I find useful. So in that case, Android comes out on top for that particular app. Um, Microsoft Office is another one that you can install on both. And um, I don't have a lot of experience with it because I prefer my computer for that, but it's nice to be able to have those those apps. And if the app is not available for one OS or the other, there's usually a pretty good substitute. For instance, you know, on Android, on um, iOS, you have Seeing AI from Microsoft. We have on Android, we have the Google Lookout app, which has very similar, and in some cases, I find it even better um, information that you can get from, from, the, from the app. So very similar. Um, both free. Um, so there's all kinds of stuff like that. <clears throat> uh, let's see, I've talked about that. Um, Kindle, I, um, just as a, as, a, as a side note, Kindle has the, the ability to, as you're reading with Braille, which we'll get into, or even continuously um, with speech, Kindle will automatically flip the pages and, and read and read and read. Um, whereas on Android, it does not. And that's, that's kind of a sad downfall um, because it would be nice to just have that continuous reading ability. And now we'll get into Braille. Braille is the probably one of the most contentious 
parts between Android and iOS. Um, Braille input, both offer now on-screen Braille keyboard. Um, the difference between the two is that iOS offers several different Braille tables that you can pick from. The um, Android on-screen input is limited to UEB. You can, when I, when I first got my, my um, got to play with it, I was complaining about UEB because I hadn't made the switch myself yet. Um, now I don't mind it, but yeah, you can do um, contracted and uncontracted input. Um, for displays itself, iOS supports Braille displays natively. You know, it's part of it's part of VoiceOver. It's there. You know, you pair it and you're good to go. On Android, you do need to install um, another app called Brailleback. It's part of the accessibility, the Google accessibility suite that you can now download, which gives you several different things. Um, one thing I'm not really focusing on today because I just don't know enough about it is the low vision features. So um, I just don't know enough about how those things work because they don't work for me. Um, <clears throat> but Braille is is a big thing. Um, and the, for, for um, output, they both support multiple braille tables so you can do your your us english your other languages your ueb whatever you want to use there um so for input you're a little bit more limited unless you want to do input on the actual display um then you you have you know you can choose um, i've actually paired the orbit writer to um even though it's not a braille display it's kind of an external pairs like a display does. Um, and in both cases, you're, you're pairing through the settings rather than through Bluetooth settings. Um, navigation with the Braille display. iOS really does a much better job, in my opinion, um, with navigation. Uh, you can do a lot more and get around to more areas of the OS. Um, Android, I really would like to see some some updates in that. Um, a lot of people are doing it and they're doing it successfully. So I don't want to minimize any of that, but I do I do find for myself that if I'm going to use Braille on my phone, I would I would much prefer to do it with um, with uh, iOS. And one area that I did not actually take notes on, but I'm going to add it in here, is hearing aids. I have um, hearing aids from Resound. No, sorry, that's not my old brand. <laughs> from uh, some other company that I can't think of off the top of my head. Oticon. Thank you, Bruce. And um, they are the made for Apple hearing aids. So they pair directly to the, to the iPhone um, and you can use TalkBack and everything. And it just goes right into the hearing aids through from the phone. Android is, I believe it's getting better with pairing with hearing aids, but it's still, I, although my phones will see my Oticons and I can pair them, 
it does not send any audio through to them. So that's that's another little little downside for me, but it's worth, you know, I've been able to work around it. My phones do have headphone jacks. So I keep a uh, pair of over the head headphones in my purse if I need it, because I can't use earbuds and hearing aids at the same time. And if I have to pick between the two, I will pick hearing aids hands down. So um, hopefully that's an area that they will work on improving um, is Bluetooth compatibility with phones and hearing aids. Samsung also offers a lot of other very nice hearing features, um, things like um, amplification on phone calls. I find that the overall audio on a phone call with Android is much clearer than it is with um, iOS. And Bruce has actually commented on that when he's talked to me um, with, the, with his hearing loss, it makes, he finds it easier to understand me on my Samsung than with the uh, iOS did. Um, now I'm gonna go back to Braille. I sort of got off track here, but um, I don't find that the Braille commands for Android are always logical. Just as an example, um, when you think of the command space and L or chord L, forever and ever since you know the very beginning that has always been top of file in android space with l brings up help so very very different um i don't find that there's as many commands and yeah you can you can um assign a lot of these things which is useful but out of the box i i, I think braille is still ahead in uh, iOS. Um, as far as getting updates for the devices, IO updates come out for everybody at the same time. You know, you get a big announcement saying iOS 15.4 is out and everybody goes and gets it at the same time. And then it takes three hours to download because the servers are so overloaded. Android come to Google phones first because Android is a Google operating system. So you're going to see those first on the Google phones. And then they'll trickle down to other phones and other providers. Like I said earlier, you know, my, my current phone does not have Android 12 on it, although Android 12 came out, what, middle of last year, I believe, for uh, many phones. So it can take several months to get your updates. And some carriers also will release later because they want to they want to test things and make sure that their own personal little whatevers are going to work. So you don't know for sure when you're going to get your updates. And the higher end phones tend to get updates faster. As I said, even though the S10e is older, it's got 12 and my A32 does not. And it's a lower end phone. And also the older the phone, the less often it gets updates. So with, with iOS, if you, you know, they support back to, um, well, my eight right now is actually be able to run the latest version. I think the seven is too. And <clears throat> they're up to what the, was it 13, I think for the uh, um, phone model for iOS. So, you know, they uh, support a lot of older phones. With Android, you get 
certain number of years of support and then they're dropped and the older the phone gets the less often you get your updates um, i found with the s10e with android 11 i was getting monthly updates now with 12 i may be getting them every other month on that phone um, with my a32 i haven't gotten an update in probably close to three months so it's, it's interesting how that all works. It's not as consistent as it is with iOS. Um, with the, you know, some people don't want to upgrade to the latest and greatest. With iOS, um, well, I, I, when I was using it, I could postpone to a certain point and then it would say, you have to do this. I don't know if that's still the case, but with Android, at least on Samsung, you can postpone the update three times, but then it will make you do the update. Um, so there's all kinds of things that I could uh, go into here, but I think that's kind of the basic things that I wanted to cover. Um, but they're both very viable options these days. And, you know, like I said, if you, if you want a phone that's just gonna work, with not a lot of configuration or um, whatever, go with go with iOS because it's it's you know no matter what you do it's gonna it's gonna work. If you are a tinkerer and want to be able to set more options and configurations and and whatever, go with Android. Um, if you have the opportunity to really sit down and work with both operating systems, I highly recommend it. Um, I've, I know so many people that have said, oh, I tried Android for, you know, 15 minutes and I hated it. You know, it's a bit different. If you're used to iPhone, it is going to be a little bit different in the way it functions and the way it feels. Um, so you need, you need to really give it more time, I think, to really get to know it and, and get the feel for it. Um, think about what you want to be able to do if you're going to get a phone and and really figure out what kind of apps you want to use talk to people everybody that you talk to is going to give you their a different answer of course but you know it still is really helpful to be able to talk to people and what is your comfort level with technology um i didn't talk anything about bluetooth keyboards but you can connect bluetooth keyboards to both devices um, and they work really really well on iOS. I have not done a lot with Bluetooth on my phone. Um, and, and then what apps you want to use? Because like I said, the Freestyle Libre, for instance, is much nicer on Android. But what other apps do you want to be able to use? And no matter what you do, be patient with yourself because there's always going to be that learning curve, no matter what OS you're using. And and that kind of thing. So just be patient. Um, people threaten to throw it out the window. You know, you could do that, but it's a lot of money. So, you know, just be patient, go slow and um, enjoy what you're, you know, working with the phones. Thank you for listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can call us toll-free at 1-877-304-0968. You can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog. 
If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list, you can send a blank email to GTT support plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.com.